Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Uh, if I've not met you, my name's Dan. I'm one of the pastors, and it's really good to be with you this morning. Uh, let's open in prayer. Lord God, we are so thankful that we get to gather together uh, and consider the incarnation, your coming into the world. Pray, God, that you would grow our delight in this child Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we're nearing the end of the year, and I don't know if you have heard, but Time Magazine has named their person of the year. Uh, It's not Elon Musk, it's not Joe Biden, it's not Volodymyr Zelensky. The person of the year is Taylor Swift. That's right. So welcome to America. Welcome to our world. Taylor Swift is the person of the year. Uh, I'm curious, do we have any Swifties here in the crowd? Mark Kaiser, okay, all right, good. Um, I knew he was a big Swifty. It's good to, it's confession time. It's good to get it out, you know. I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but a few weeks ago, uh, there was much anticipation that maybe Taylor Swift was coming to town. The Kansas City Chiefs were playing, the Green Bay Packers, and uh, one of the guys on the Kansas City Chiefs, who's was formerly known as, uh, as Travis Kelsey, is now just known as Taylor Swift's boyfriend, was playing in the game. And so uh, every night on the news, there were these reports of, is Taylor Swift coming to Green Bay? People were so excited about Taylor Swift potentially coming to Green Bay. They even taught you on the news how to stalk Taylor Swift, that you could track her plane to see when it left and when it landed in Green Bay, if she was coming to Green Bay. Well, indeed, she did come to Green Bay, and you can see some uh, homemade video footage of people standing way in the distance, watching her get out of her Suburban and go into the tunnels underneath uh, Lambeau Field, and people are screaming and cheering and, you know, celebrating, and she just gives a little wave and goes inside, and once she's inside the tunnel, of course, there are cameras that are following around. I, I, I call them paparazzi, but I don't know if we have that in Green Bay, but cameras and, like, people, microphones, they're all following her, and then she gets up to her suite, and this one, uh, I think it's a girl, has a home foot home video of her going into her suite, and she's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, let's do this with her. so exciting, right? Well, to be honest with you, uh, I was not part of the Swifty mania. Um, I I did not do my part to welcome Taylor Swift to Green Bay, and that's on me. Uh, That's on me. I didn't do that. Um, But to be honest with you, um, I was pretty busy. I was was worn out, and uh, I just really did not care at all. And so, um, so... But Kaiser was there with the t-shirt on and everything. So <laughs> if, you, if you were not there to welcome her and to catch a glimpse of her, it's okay. And she's okay with it too. But as we enter into Christmas Eve, it is 
vital for us to consider the question, have we gotten a glimpse of Jesus? Have you been able this Christmas season to behold his splendor, to encounter his glory? I don't know about you, but the Christmas season is very busy for me and my family. Just the other week, I said to my wife, I bet you we have 14 basketball things this week, whether it be a game or a practice. Well, I was a bit off. We had 21 that week, all right? On top of that, of course, you have piano recitals, you have birthday parties, you have, uh, what's that, Uh, school, right? Um, And church, and and Christmas is just very, very busy. It can be very, very chaotic, and it can be very wearisome. And so I'm curious if you come here today weary like I am. Maybe you are weary from a job that has demanded more of you during the Christmas season than you had hoped or anticipated. Maybe you are weary of your children crying or of your children fighting with you over electronic time. Maybe you are weary because you are dealing with chronic pain or illness. Maybe you're just simply weary from delivering all of the Christmas cookies and Christmas cards and Christmas gifts. My hope for you and for me this morning is that our weary souls would take 30 minutes to focus on Christ, to together be still and drink deep of the glory of the gospel and to encounter Jesus in an intimate way this Christmas Eve. If you would, please open up to Luke chapter two. Again, if you don't have a Bible, you'll need one. There should be one in the seat in front of you. If there isn't, there are some in the back as well. We're gonna be looking at verses one through 20, which are probably the most famous of Christmas Verses in the Bible, you probably have read them on Christmas morning. Some of you have. Some of you could probably recite them for me. Your, word, your lips might be moving as I read them because you know them, because you're so familiar with them. But I would encourage you to hear them afresh this Sunday morning. Let it wash over your soul anew. We're going to start with just the first seven verses. Luke chapter 2, we'll start with verses 1 through 7. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Let's pray. Lord, again, we thank you. We thank you for the account of when you invaded earth on our behalf grow our awe of the Christmas story. In Jesus' name, amen. In these first seven verses, nothing spectacular happens. Uh, Joseph and Mary are going to their hometown for a census, and they gave birth to a child while they're in that hometown of Bethlehem. This would have been many children's stories during that time. It doesn't seem like a very big deal. 
And so the question is, why is it that we celebrate the birth of this baby born in a barn in Bethlehem over 2,000 years later on the other side of the world? Well, whether you are a Christian or not, it is irrefutable that Jesus has turned the world upside down. He has totally changed the course of human history. Again, my hope is that we can hit pause on our hectic life and behold the majesty of this baby Jesus and encounter him personally, to be still and remember and rejoice in the splendor of Christ at Christmas. So there are three aspects of this Christ child that I want to look at this morning. First is the glory of baby Jesus. The second is the wonder of baby Jesus. And the third is the treasure of baby Jesus. So the glory, the wonder, and the treasure of baby Jesus. First, the glory of baby Jesus. And we're going to spend our most time on this point. Look at verse 7 with me again. We'll start there and continue on. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end, so far, a little bit strange, they're in a manger, or he's in a manger, but ordinary. But now comes the extraordinary. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel, a single angel of the Lord, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, meaning around the shepherds, and they were filled with great fear. You know, it is very interesting that the angels first appeared to shepherds working the night shift. Not to kings or priests or governors, but to plain old ordinary shepherds. Now, shepherds were the religious outcasts of the day. They were very transient. They were always moving around. They seldom came to temple. They often were known for stealing and for lying. They were outcasts. They were actually deemed, quote, sinners, uh, which was a technical term for despised people. But the angels come and give the good news to them. Now, angels. Angels have largely been misrepresented in our media as well. We, we sometimes think of angels as these naked, chubby babies with hearts or, you know, an old man named Clarence or a middle-aged man named Michael Landon who's so dreamy, right? But in the Bible, angels are mighty, glorious warriors whose appearance paralyzes their audience, and we learn here that when the angels appeared to these shepherds, they were not just afraid. They were not just filled with fear. They were, quote, filled with great fear. But why? Why is it that the shepherds were filled with great fear when these angels appeared? Was well, because when the angels appeared in the glory of God and the holiness of God as messengers of God, they were overwhelmed by their own uncleanness. And they were worried that the angels had come to bring judgment upon them. A few weeks ago, I was driving home from a basketball game, believe it or not, with my son, Corbin. And we're driving down the road, and all of a sudden, a car pulls out behind me and starts pulling up. And then, again, those red and blue lights come on. And, and if you're like me, I'm thinking, oh, man, I hope he's passing me, right? But, but, like, I'm starting to sweat. My temperature's rising. I'm like, which of the 50 things did I do wrong that he's going to give me a ticket for? Am I going to get thrown in hillbilly jail? Like, what's going to happen here, right? Well, I did get pulled over. It was a tail light. We got it fixed. We got a warning. It was fine. But, 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 but when you have that police officer pull out behind you, like, you're like, okay, I know I'm guilty of something. What is it, right? When these angels appear... When the angel appears in all of its glory as a messenger of God, suddenly it becomes very visible to the shepherds 
their own uncleanliness, their own dirtiness, their own guiltiness. And so they are thinking we are done for. God's judgment has come upon us. But then comes the great reversal, the great surprise, the thrill of hope. Verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Verse 13. If you can imagine this, it would be amazing. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. If anyone knew the majesty of Christmas, it would be the angels. It would be the heavenly hosts. It is as if they had come down from heaven and pressed their faces up against the window to see the birth of this Christ child. And as they peer into what God is doing, they overflow with praise, singing glory to God in the highest. Why? Why are they bursting of praise? Why should we be bursting with praise during this Christmas season? Well, if you notice here, when they, when they make the pronouncements, they give three glorious titles to this child that is born, to Jesus. Look at verse 11. He says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, there's one, who is Christ, second, and the Lord, which is third. So let's just take a moment to look at each of these very briefly. First, they say that this baby Jesus is the Savior of the world. In the Old Testament, the world word Savior was used to describe God himself. In Isaiah 43, he says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. But what is even more interesting is that the Lord God claims exclusive rights to this name, Savior. In Isaiah 43, again, he says, I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no Savior. Hosea 13, I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. You know no God but me, and besides me, there is no Savior. And so you, here you have the Lord God saying, I am the Savior and there is no other. And yet the messenger of God, the angel of God comes and says that this tiny, fragile, little baby laying in a manger is the Savior of the world. This is good news of great joy for these panicked shepherds and for us. Because Christmas means, the birth of Jesus means that God did not come to smite us, but to save us. Jesus has come as a savior of the world. And so they sing glory to God in the highest. The second title they give here is that this baby is the Christ. Uh, contrary to popular belief, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is actually a title, which means Messiah or anointed one. You see, in the Old Testament, uh, there were different offices, three offices, in which men were anointed uh, to be God's chosen representative in that office. So there was a prophet, there was a priest, and there was a king. And they would be anointed to their office. They'd be set apart by God to serve his will. 
And when the angel announces that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, he is saying that Jesus is the anointed one that all the other anointed ones point to and culminate in. You see, Jesus is the ultimate prophet because Jesus does not only proclaim the word of God, but Jesus is the word of God in the flesh. He's the good news of the gospel in human form. Jesus is the ultimate anointed priest because he did not only offer sacrifices for sin, but he gave his life as the final and ultimate and satisfactory atonement for sin. And Jesus is the ultimate anointed king because he does not only rule over the kingdom of Israel, but he rules his kingdom of redemption over the entire universe. And there is coming a day when the king will return and complete his kingdom of redemption. And so the angels sing, glory to God in the highest. The third title of glory that they give to Jesus is that he is Lord. A Lord is someone who is an authority, similar to a king, but usually someone that is more localized or more personal. You can think of someone who is Lord of a manor, right? Uh, they are their Lord over this property, over the people that work there, right? They have people that are serving them. They also have uh, people that they are in control over. And the angel is saying that Jesus is Lord at his birth. He is Lord over the lilies of the field and the stars of the heavens and the faraway galaxies. He is Lord over Christians, over Muslims, over unbelievers. Jesus is Lord over the angels and the shepherds, over you and over me. He is Lord over all. All things are under his authority, which is not bad for a one-day-old, right? The glory of baby Jesus is that he is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. And when we behold his glory, it leads us to sing with the angels, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now let me ask you, Again, during this Christmas season, in the, in the Christmas chaos, have you beheld the glory of Jesus? Have you beheld the majesty of Jesus? Or have you passed by? Uh, you know, I've, I've had the privilege to travel around the world, and one of the most beautiful sights I've seen in the entire world is right here in Green Bay. I know you're going to think I'm crazy. But when I drive to work in the morning, I drive from UWGB out here to the church, and, uh, and I take the 43 highway up onto 41 North, and when you take that overpass, you can look over the bay, and it is one of the most beautiful sights you will ever see, especially if there's a sunrise, right? In the foreground, there's some waving grass. Sometimes it's green, sometimes it's brown. And then in the middle, you have the water with the sun shimmering off of it. Behind that, you have the ridge, and then, and then above that ridge, you have the sun peeking out and there's all of these splendid colors of orange that are cast across the sky. And above that, many times you'll have these sequentially rippled clouds going throughout the sky and you see all shades of orange in that and it is just absolutely glorious to look at. Sometimes it's so wonderful that I'll just pull off at Lineville Road, go to that, and I'll just sit there and I'll look at it in awe of the glory of, of God's creation. And, and as I look at the beauty, it reminds us of the creator, God. God, who is of glorious proportions, who created this. But there are many times where I just drive right by. <laughs> I'm on the phone, I'm talking, I'm distracted, whatever it might be, right? And I don't behold the glory that is right before me. I'm curious, this Christmas season, if you have passed by 
the glory that is before you. Jesus sits before us in all of his glory. Behold the glory of Jesus. Rejoice with the angels. For unto you this day in the city David is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. So first we have the glory of baby Jesus. Secondly, and these next two points are shorter, but we have the wonder of baby Jesus. Look at verse 15 through verse 18 with me. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered or marveled or were amazed at what the shepherds told them. You know, what's so interesting is that at the time of Jesus's birth, the angels did not appear to Joseph or to Mary or again to kings or to priests, but the angels appeared and gave the message to shepherds who, again, were not very reliable witnesses. As a matter of fact, their witness was, was, was uh, unacceptable in a court of law because they were so untrustworthy, and yet, yet the, the, the angel made the announcement to these shepherds. But how did the rest of the people hear? They didn't get an angel, they got shepherds, right? Mary and Joseph got a message from these shepherds. The people of the town got a message from these shepherds. They reported what they saw and what they heard about these angels. And, and, and of course, they were not the most reputable people, but, but they all seemed so sure of themselves and so excited and so transformed that, that maybe this was true. And the people wondered. They wondered, what if it's true? They wondered, did God really become a man? Has our Savior been born in the house down the street? Could this be true? They probably searched the scriptures. We're trying to figure it out. Is, is this happening tonight? Is this real? Do you ever wonder at the glory of Christmas? I think author Max Licato does this very well in his book, God Came Near. He says this. He says, while the creatures of earth walked unaware, divinity arrived. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent, in one instant, made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent on the nourishment of a young girl. God as a fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being created. God has come near. Friends, one of the most tragic things about growing older is that we tend to lose our awe and our wonder. We let the extraordinary things become very ordinary to us in our hearts. Be careful not to twist scripture or add to scripture but use your God-given curiosity and wonder to marvel in awe of the amazing absurdity of Christmas, that God above without a body would become a man like you and me. 
And so we have the glory of baby Jesus, Savior of the world, Christ the Messiah, Lord at that birth. We have the wonder of baby Jesus, God becoming a man, absurdly enchanting. But finally, and most importantly, we have the treasure of baby Jesus. Let's look back at verse 18 through verse 19. And all who heard it, all who heard it, wondered at what the shepherds told them. And then get this, don't miss this. But Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Everyone who heard the shepherds, Joseph, Mary, the townspeople, everyone who heard the shepherds wondered at what was being said. They were trying to figure out, trying to understand what was going on. But Mary took that critical next step. Not only did she wonder at what the shepherds said about Jesus, she treasured these truths about Jesus in her heart. She pondered them. She, she stored them up so she could encounter them again, 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 and dwell upon them and dwell upon Jesus. Now, you may be wondering, what is the difference between wondering and treasuring? Let me illustrate this way. There are many people here who have babies every year. It's like a baby factory at Jacobswell Church. It's great. I love it. And when someone has a baby, I usually get to see the baby, hold the baby, and I wonder at that baby. I, I touch the silky hair, right, the, the, the fresh skin. I see the wrinkles in the forehead, the, the funny facial features, and I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I marvel, and I'm amazed, and I wonder at this child. But to be honest with you, I don't treasure this child like their parents do, right? I, I mean, I'm not taking this child home with me. I'm not joyfully changing their diapers 10 times a day. I'm not patiently waking up in the middle of night to hold them and to rock them back to sleep. I'm not happily giving up most of my paycheck to feed them and to house them and take them on vacations and send them to college. I'm not driving them to 15 basketball games a week. I wonder at all babies, but I treasure my own. I bring them into my heart and into my soul and into my home. I ponder them. I think about them. I'm consumed by them. They rearrange my calendar and my finances and my passions. They gloriously, my babies gloriously change my life and turn it upside down. You know, I realize many of you here have grown up in the church or at least attended Christmas service on an annual basis. And you have wondered about Jesus year after year after year. But let me ask, have you treasured him in your heart? Have you pondered his glory? Have you become consumed by him? Has he rearranged your calendar and your finances and your passions? Has he gloriously turned your world upside down? Friends, the the hardest and longest journey you will ever take is 12 inches from your head to your heart. Everyone seems to wander at Jesus at Christmas time. But do you treasure him in your heart? Now you may be wondering, why, why should I treasure him? Why should my life flip upside down because of him? Why should everything in my life focus on him? Did you know at Christmas we celebrate that Jesus turned his world upside down for little bitty you? Jesus treasured you so much 
Even when you did not treasure him, even when you treasured sin above him, he treasured you so much that he left the glory of heaven above. He rearranged his divine calendar to come into this world. He forsake the riches of heaven to take on poverty. He lived in a world full of temptation and ridicule and shame. And he did this all for you because he treasures you, because you are precious to him. And then ultimately he went to the cross to take on your sin to pay for it in full and to rise on the third day to give you newness of life. And if you are a Christian, then the Holy Spirit of Jesus is given to you. It resides inside of you and Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for you. And so here is my exhortation for you this Christmas Eve. If you hear only one thing, hear this, just two words. Treasure Jesus. Treasure Jesus. Are you happy this Christmas? Treasure Jesus. If you are sad this Christmas, treasure Jesus. Are you alone this Christmas? Treasure Jesus. Are you surrounded by so many people you just kind of want to get away? Treasure Jesus. Wherever you go, whatever you do, Whenever it is, however you feel, treasure Jesus. Verse 20 continues with an appropriate response. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned, glorified and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told in them. The, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoiced. Verse 21, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, which means the Lord saves, which is why Jesus came, was to save the name given by the angels before he was conceived in the womb. Let me end with this. Uh, this week as I was preparing for this message, there were really two questions that, that I mauled over a lot this week and thought a lot about, and I wanna ask them of you, okay? Two questions. The first question is this. What if it's not true? What if Christmas is not true? What if it's made up? What if... What if Jesus was just another baby? What if he was not conceived by the Holy Spirit? What if he was not the Son of God? What if he was not the Savior of the, Lord, of the world? What if it's not true? What if Christmas is not true? Well, if Christmas is not true, then God has not been faithful to his promises. And the Lord has left you in an estate of misery and despair. If Christmas is not true, then your faith is futile, hell is your destiny, and heaven is a fictitious fantasy if Christmas is not true. But here's the second question. What if it is true? What if God really did become a man? What if the angels really happened? What if Jesus really is our Lord and our Christ and our Savior? What if he is true? Well, then this changes everything, doesn't it? It means God has not abandoned you. It means that God loves you with an unfathomable love that he would send his one and only son into the world to save you. It means that the hell you are destined for has been averted and yet you are destined for the joy of heaven of which Christmas is just a foretaste of. Let me put it more succinctly. If the Christmas story is not true, you are a fool for being here this morning. But if the Christmas story is true, you would be a fool to be anyplace else. 
If the Christmas story is not true, you are a fool for putting your hope in the Lord. But if the Christmas story is true, you would be a fool for hoping in anyone else. If the Christmas story is not true, you'd be a fool to treasure Jesus. But if the Christmas story is true, you who have been a fool in your sin have been treasured by Jesus more than you can even imagine. You see, I've given you this exhortation to treasure Jesus, right? But let me challenge you to something that is impossible. I wanna challenge you this Christmas season to treasure Jesus more than he treasures you. You see, no matter how much you treasure Jesus, Christmas and the cross proclaim that Jesus has treasured you, does treasure you, and will treasure you far more than you can ever treasure him. Christian, treasure the one who always treasures you more. Let me end with the song, Oh Holy Night. It says, Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, in sin and error longing, till he appears and the soul felt its worth. The soul understood the treasure it was to a holy God. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night, oh, holy night tonight. Oh, night divine. This Christmas, treasure Jesus because Christmas proves that Jesus treasures you. Let's pray. Lord God, we come here confessing that often we are distracted during this Christmas season. There are many who say, remember the reason for this season, and they have no idea what the reason for the season is. But we do because of your word. And so God, help us to treasure Christ this Christmas season, that he might grow in our hearts and in our souls, and that he might turn over more and more of our world that he might extend his kingdom of, of redemption and restoration throughout every area of our heart and of our soul and of our relationships and of our family and of our world. Help us, we pray. And we praise you for treasuring us when no one else did. In Jesus' name, amen.